Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, hello. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Live Your Personal Best. Today's episode, we are joined by Sydney Cummings, and the name is probably familiar. She has over 1.3 million followers on YouTube who follow her workouts, and I loved bringing her on because I've taken her classes many times in the past, and I'm not sure if you're like me, but I always have so many questions of, I wonder how exhausted there are after the class and what other workouts do they do and all of that. And so Sydney walks us through her story of how she went from being a high jump record holder in college, then transitioning out, becoming a personal trainer, how she built up her own workouts after being a retired athlete, how she built up her business after being a retired athlete. And there's just so much that we can learn from her story. And if you are looking for a free workout, if you're looking for new workouts to try, then definitely go check her out on YouTube. It's Sydney Cummings. Before we jump right into today's conversation, if you are also listening to this as a retired athlete, as a former athlete, be sure to check out my book, Elite to Everyday Athlete, Nine Steps to Getting Off the Sidelines of Life. Just like me and Sydney talk through here about the struggles with the transition and finding a workout again, that is what I help you through, through these nine steps of getting you from being a competitor into how to find a new healthy routine that is good for your mind, body, spirit, all of that. So I'll link it right down below or just go on Amazon, Elite to Everyday Athlete. And with that, let's go hear Sydney's story. What's up and welcome to the Live Your Personal Best podcast. This is the place where I help current and former athletes like you to show up confidently in the gym and in life. I'm your host, Emily Kaufman, a former Division I athlete and author of Elite to Everyday Athlete. I'm going to show you how to stay motivated in reaching your goals and how to have more fun doing it. So let's sweat it out and start living your personal best. Sydney, I'm so excited that you're on with us today. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I'd love to start off talking more about your collegiate career, just because we have so much in common, both being Division One athletes. I was also a Big 12. I was at OU. But I was wondering if you could tell us more about West Virginia and you went to NCAAs and you're a record holder and all of that. Yeah. We, I actually, fun fact, competed for the Big East for two years. And then in my the beginning of my junior year, they switched over to the big 12. So I actually got to compete for two different conferences, which leaves me with a lot of like old college gear from both conferences, but West Virginia is actually where I'm from originally. So in my mind, that was, you know, making it big. Not many people from my small town made it to a college athletic scholarship level. And I got recruited from a lot of different schools because I was able to get involved in AAU track and field um, and USA track and field during the summers. Uh, being from a small town, we didn't have a ton of places to practice. Our our track was just really broken and especially the high jump area. So I found myself traveling to another school in the middle of the city to actually practice. And that's where I saw the AAU track team practicing. So I thought, let me join them. I'm here anyways. I could travel and I could actually see what the competition would be like outside of just 
my little small town. Um, our track team in high school had a handful of girls. So I was kind of like that big fish in a little pond where I knew if I didn't expose myself to people that were better than me, people that could show me what I would be facing at the collegiate level, I wouldn't really know what my chances were. So that's when I started doing AAU track and field and got recruited from a lot of the schools that we would travel to, to compete to. But in my mind, I always had my heart set on West Virginia. It was just, you know, what I grew up loving and, and craving was just mountaineer anything. So I uh, got a full athletic and academic scholarship there. And for sure, it was the best four years of my life. I look back and think it went so fast and, you know, had a first year where I was a little homesick just because all of my friends were at another school, but it was just the best four years of my life. And my, some of my best friends to this day are my college teammates and people that I met who also had to leave their home and go and compete as a college athlete, which is not an easy transition, you know, to go somewhere new, meet everyone new, and then not really get the typical college experience as, you know, someone who travels a lot for college athletics. So best four years of my life and made some of the best friends and learned some of the most important lessons. I think that I still use to this day. Yeah, no, I think that's like something that all athletes have in common. You know, it's like, it's still a part of us, no matter how long it's been or how removed we are from it. And then after college, like, what was that transition outlook? Like, were you like, I'll still pursue track, I'll still pursue high jump? Or were you kind of done with it? What did that look like? Yeah, it's unfortunate for track. I mean, a lot of college athletics, I guess, are like this, but for track, especially, there's not really like a middle ground between college athletics and Olympics. So unless you're going to the Olympics or you have the potential to train over the next couple of years and be an Olympic trials candidate, um, it's kind of like that's the end of the road for you. So it came to like, uh, as you know, anyone who's done with their career, it comes to like a tragic stop. You end on a missed high jump bar or you miss on losing a game or you miss on or sorry. Yeah, losing a game or, you know, losing a race or something like that. So kind of just abruptly came to a stop at uh, round one of the NCAA championships. And I just remember laying on the mat with the high jump bar under my back, which hurt, obviously, you know, there are some bad landings. Sometimes you're like a lot of things went wrong there, but just laying there my back was hurting. And I thought, I just want to lay here for a second and just kind of soak in everything that just happened. And, you know, they made me get off the mat. They're like, you're, you're out, get out of the way. <laughs> we have jumpers still here, but uh, it was abrupt and sad. And I think that's okay to, to say like, oh, it's just been a glorious four years and just immediately get over it. I don't think is realistic. It becomes who you are, not just what you do, but everything that you do is surrounded by the thinking of I'm a college athlete. I have to keep this GPA. I have to keep this healthy body. So it's not just what you do, it's who you are. So when it came to an abrupt stop, I had trouble figuring out how to work out again. I had trouble figuring out how to train by myself. At that point, a lot of my teammates had uh, either gone, graduated, moved back home. It was kind of late in the summer because in track, it's very individual. The more meets you qualify for, you just keep going. So I had already said goodbye to a lot of my teammates. So that was another kind of like solemn feeling of I'm alone and it's done. And how do I go on and had a lot of trouble figuring out how to move forward in terms of like being an athlete who's not an active athlete anymore. Just I, I remember working out at the YMCA after uh, moving back home 
when I graduated and getting stared at for like doing box jumps and doing things like hang cleans or power cleans that we had to do to be powerful athletes. And everyone was just kind of sitting on a machine or walking on a treadmill. So, um, I, I just felt very awkward outside of my athletic setting, moving into like, quote unquote, the real world for fitness. And that's, that's kind of where I knew, like, I don't, I just, I can't let this style of me go. I still want to train like an athlete. Yeah. So it sounded like you're almost trying to continue on the same workouts that you were doing as an athlete too. Yeah. It it was actually, my friend started reaching out to me and saying like, I don't know how you know what to do in the gym, but yours looks a lot more fun than everyone else. And started asking me for written programs at which I wasn't a personal trainer at that time. I was just doing what I had been coached to do for four years. And so I started giving my friends, my uh, programs or my workout schedule or whatever I would do and really loved that part, but still actually put myself um, after I graduated and went back to nursing school. Cause I had a lot of trouble finding a job with my major uh, or with my degree. And so I was not even thinking that fitness was on the horizon as a career. I just knew I still wanted to train like an athlete. So I went through my first year of nursing school after my first degree uh, and then actually lost my nonprofit job that I was working at to put myself through school. And that's when um, my boyfriend at the time had moved to Charlotte and, you know, I called him crying like I just got laid off from my job. How do I keep going in school? I have no money saved up. Um, I luckily didn't have student loans because of the college high jump scholarship, but that's the job was what I was using to put myself back through school. So he said, he mentioned to one of his um, friends that was a gym manager about my college career. And he said, you know, if she's ever interested in personal training, tell her to come down. And I'd love to have a college athlete on our roster for employees. So I thought maybe that'd be a cool summer job just to save up some money. So I took some, uh, my severance package from being laid off, moved down there for the summer, and was a personal trainer, got my certification and trained people how I trained like an athlete. And um, as you can probably guess, never went back to nursing school. I just fell in love with being on the other side of the script where I got to help people just fall in love with fitness. Yeah. That's so funny. You're kind of already doing that to your friends. You're like, oh yeah, I can write you stuff, but that's still like hadn't clicked. So you're like, okay, like my boyfriend said I should try it. Here I go. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty fun for me. And like, well, I mean, here you go. I don't care to, to help you in any way. It's, it's what I'm doing anyways. So why not? And I didn't realize how many people just have no idea what to do at the gym. They just go and they don't know what to do. So everyone knows how to walk on a treadmill. And that's where a lot of women especially tend to go. And I think I would probably do the same thing if I didn't have a college career where I had, you know, my strength and conditioning coach was previously a coach for the Minnesota Vikings and the Naval Academy now. And so I've trained with the best of the best. And I came in the same way, not having had any training for strength and conditioning. So that blessing of actually learning from some of the best actually helped me kind of prioritize technique and and focus on explosiveness and just learn from basically the ground up versus if I wouldn't have gone to college and gotten that experience, I would be in the same boat. I would say like someone helped me figure out how to work out. So that's something I took for granted and didn't realize a lot of people just have gym intimidation where they go in and they think everyone knows what they're doing besides them. So they just kind of go to the cardio machines. And I was like, look, we have to, as women, we have to stop fearing like being embarrassed or being weaker than people or, or not knowing how to do it right out of the gate. So I wanted to be a part of that change and just help people feel empowered in their strength. 
Yeah, I agree with that so much because I was in the same boat when I graduated. I also walked into the gym being like, I don't know what to do, but I didn't want to ask for help because I was already a division one athlete. I was like, I shouldn't need help. But like everyone at every level still has kind of that fear as some part of the gym. Yeah. And and now the, you know, there's so much social media involvement. Like when I was in college, it wasn't that long ago, but it wasn't so, so heavily social media driven where I think now you go and you see people taking selfies on every corner and it, there's like a whole gym fashion style now. And there's a whole just vibe around people that go to the gym, maybe to work out, but also that maybe just go to put pics on social media. And what if you don't want to be on social media? What if you just want to go and like get a good sweat on there's it's a totally different environment now, but um, yeah, people still are just like, I, I walk in here not knowing what to do. So I do what I know, which is walk. And I think being the person who went into the college career of an athlete, I kind of felt like that where I felt like all my teammates actually knew how to lift and stuff or, or lift and condition and train. And they were familiar with a gym program strength and conditioning before they got there. Whereas I didn't have any of that coaching. So I was in that position before and I knew how intimidating it was to watch everyone else know how to do a pull-up. And I was just like, I need a, a band to help me here. I need some kind of assistance. I don't know what I'm doing. So I, I channeled that into every single training session that I, I film now that I used to step into. It's just like a lot, most people don't know what they're doing in the gym and that's not a knock on anyone. It's not a judgment. It's just like, we have to have people that are willing to, to know that and help them. Yeah, no, I think that's so refreshing to hear, especially what you're talking about too, like the matching sets and all of that. I was like watching this video the other day on TikTok and this girl was at the gym in her pajamas. And like for a second, it seemed weird. And then I was like, no, like you can wear whatever you want. Like we just made there be like this dress code now. Exactly. It's like a fashion statement. It's like a whole nother level of fashion now, which, you know, I've actually like rolled into developing my own fitness fashion line, but it wasn't like that. I think in college or maybe just as like a jock athlete, I just wore my gear. I just wore what they gave us. And it wasn't about like how you look, it's about how you were performing. So it's, it's very different now to be, maybe I'm on this side of it now. So I see, you know, people tend to feel like they work out better when they have clothes that make them feel good. I don't know, but it's, it's so different now. So I'm trying to like keep with the importance that people place on their workout gear. And, and we actually developed a fitness clothing line to kind of help people feel yes, aesthetically excited, but also just like supported and comfortable at all sizes. Yeah, I see that that had recently launched. I remember in college too, we were like given the standard like spandex that I'm pretty sure were like unisex and we were like begging our coaches. We're like, can we make them a little shorter? <laughs> can we just like roll the tops down or like not have 17 inch inseams? <laughs> exactly. So I would love to talk about, you know, your whole platform now. So you were a personal trainer in person at this gym, and now you have over a million YouTube subscribers for Royal Change. You're uploading workouts daily. How did that transition happen onto the online personal training? It, it was kind of like a, a long struggle of figuring out how to scale the business. Like I said, I came out of college knowing like, here's how an athlete trains. And that's always been my style. Um, I've never been one to say like, we're just going to sit down and do curls. Like I want people to move well. So I think my style was accepted by a lot of people and helped me grow when I moved to Charlotte, not knowing anyone in the fitness industry or anyone at all, actually in a, in a job that's very client-based. 
I kind of let that stand out and I had Instagram, but I didn't have any type of connections in that community. So I just was all over Instagram, like, Hey, I'm having this free boot camp. Hey, that's a really cool workout. Hey, I'd love to come work out at your gym. Hey, I'd love to train you. It was just kind of like blasting the whole community of Charlotte with like, I am a college athlete. I'm a trainer now and I'm here. Let's work out together. So uh, I just had to get my name out there and had to get seen. So I was doing free boot camps. I was working at a bunch of different gyms, making like $6 a session at these gyms, driving to people's houses at like 5 a.m. to make $20 for 30 minutes. You know, it was, it was definitely a grind. It was definitely a struggle for a long time to come to a city that no one knew me. And I was new to the fitness industry as well. So I had to really hustle to get my name out there and get seen. And so there was a period I was working at three or four different gyms and driving to houses and doing free boot camps. Um, and I finally got to the point where I was able to kind of step away from all the gyms and rent space in my apartment complex gym to have my own little personal training business. And that's where the name Royal Change came from, just kind of like honestly, for tax reasons, needing to put a name to the income that I was making. So my husband now, Dustin and I came up with Royal Change and I was operating Royal Change solely for about a year. And then my younger brother actually had a really tragic ATV accident, um, had severe brain damage, and he actually ended up passing away. And so when that happened, if anyone's lost anyone in their life, they probably can recognize the feeling of having that reflection point of like, what is my life? What am I doing with my life? Is it something where I will be proud of the legacy that I've built and I can leave? Or am I just kind of spinning my wheels here? Am I just busy? And for me, that was the case. I felt like I was busy. And that was a goal in the beginning when I moved to Charlotte just to get clients. But at that point, I couldn't buy any more time. I couldn't scale the business anymore because there were no time slots for new clients. So that's when uh, Dustin and I decided to go digital and start trying to first make a, a program, just like a, here you pay $20 and you get this program of six workouts. We thought we were going to be millionaires. We're like, this is it. This is our ticket. You know, we spent a lot of time on that program and I think we sold a hundred or a couple hundred copies of it. And from that, we actually got some really good feedback about wanting more of like a live interaction or a more consistent workout program. Cause my, my program had six workouts and you repeat them every Monday workout on Monday for four weeks and the same thing across the board. So we jumped on YouTube and thought maybe it's a financial burden that we can get rid of for people where they don't have to pay for something, but they get access to an ex college athlete trainer. So we started peppering in like five minute abs, 10 minute abs, those were kind of getting traction, but not really. And we kept hearing people say like, we want a full workout. We want a consistent trainer who's going to show up, not just on a Tuesday and then a Friday. And then we don't know when. So that's when in February of 2018, we decided to go. I don't know if you're familiar with um, the vlogger Casey Neistat, but he was a huge source of inspiration to us in that time where we were trying so hard to get some type of digital program launched. I still had to work 60 hours as a personal trainer to support our rent, our apartment rent to support our bills. And he established the daily vlog. And so I thought, why don't we become the daily vlog of fitness? And so we decided like something has to set us apart from what's already out there. Casey was doing the daily vlog and we thought, let's do the daily fitness vlog. So that's when we decided to start uploading every single day and about two years later, almost three years later, 
we actually hit a million subscribers. I mean, that was, that's like a very fast track from start to finish, but that's, we kind of knew we had to set ourselves apart and, and read analytics and answer every comment and figure out what people liked and, and just be very, very patient with the consistency. Uh, We totally knew we were going to struggle for a while and I was working 60 hours a week. Dustin was still full-time as an accountant And he was also doing media on the side, like filming real estate videos for people. But we just had to kind of like scurry to make it work financially while we built this platform. Um, And now we're both full time into Royal Change. And we have a clothing line that we just launched of custom cut and sew fitness apparel. We have a membership community. We have fitness equipment for home workouts. To say that it was like smooth sailing would be totally a lie, but It was just a, like, we knew we had to scale the business to something that could reach more people outside of just people in Charlotte. And that's where we went digital. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a success story now. You know, you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, like that's her business and it's like thriving. But I imagine at the beginning when you didn't have that following base, when you're like, okay, I'm going to do this every single day for multiple years. Like that's a big commitment to take on. Yeah. And you think you're crazy sometimes. Like when you try to do something that isn't being done already, you're like, you get inspired and you do it. And then a week later, you're like, is this really crazy? Am I losing my mind here? But I don't know. I think that's how everyone feels when they do something that hasn't been done before. There's no, no one to look at and say like, they did it and it directly worked. But I think like, I don't believe in like everyone has to have a a specific niche that they stay in and live in forever. But I knew nothing was going to set us apart from the next fitness uh, trainer who was on YouTube if we didn't, if we did the same exact thing. So I went into the college athlete mindset, honestly, of like, you just don't have a choice. You don't have a choice to go to practice. You just do because you're, well, you have a scholarship that depends on it, but there's never any doubt in your mind that you're just like not going to show up or you're not going to compete. You just do and you figure out how you're going to do it. So I think the college athlete in me stepped up to the plate there and was like, this is just training. You're training yourself. It's not like a, a a fitness exercise job. You just think of it as training, let people see the real you, let people feel kind of comforted by someone who's not just like out here trying to look pretty, but really trying to train with them. Um, And that was another reason we tried to set ourselves apart in a way that I talk through the entire workout. Uh, Whereas most people just kind of like tell you what you're doing and then they turn on music and they do the workout and you just kind of watch them and do it with them. I knew from being a college athlete, my whole career was like, stay injury free. Don't get hurt. You have to be strong, but we're going to do everything we can to prevent injury. And I knew people needed that, especially coming to a digital platform. So that's another way we try to set ourselves apart was just coaching through the entire thing. And I, I really did tap into like, this is training. This is your athletic career that is now your career, just train like an athlete, just commit and don't give up and struggle for a long time. And it'll, it will be worth it, but the struggle is part of the journey. Yeah. I love that you're able to bring that athletic component into it too. Cause I think that's what a lot of people miss is that coaching aspect. So the fact that you're able to add that to, I think definitely keeps people more accountable and everything too. Oh yeah. feels a lot better for me too. It feels a lot more natural. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to know a little bit of, around the logistics. So you're you know, putting these up every day. Does that mean that you're personally working out every day? Do you try to batch them? Are you working out multiple times a day because you have multiple clients? Like, what does that look like for your daily schedule? Well, so now I don't do any in-person personal training. It's just the digital. But 
for, I guess for three years, right up until the end of last year, we did seven uploads a week. Uh, and then I got married and we actually had like a little month off where we did our honeymoon and just honestly, like took a break after three years of, of filming and uploading every single day. And when we came back, we decided to do five uploads a week, which has been a lot more sustainable for a lifestyle after we kind of developed the community and the following and the consistency uh, we went back to five, but I just do one workout a day. It's I'm honestly going as hard as I can in the workout. So I can't personally batch film. And it's also really hard to do because my husband, Dustin films, everything and edits everything. So for him to film two and edit two, it just makes it really hard. So we just do kind of like a very live in real time. I film a workout on a day. We're trying to get like one or two days ahead and we edit it, upload it that evening. And then it goes up 5 a.m. the next morning. So I try to make it to the point where it's not something that if I'm able to batch film like three or four of my workouts, do I feel like that could be sufficient enough for people who just will do one workout a day? Potentially no. So I wanted it to be something where that's all I'm doing per day. And not that I'm like the gold standard of fitness or anything, but I want it to be something like, this is enough. This will suffice for your day. You don't have to do this and then find something else and then find something else to get results for yourself. So just a real-time film and upload the next day schedule right now. And we take Thursday and Sunday off of uploading. We were doing stretches on Sunday for a while and they just were the worst performing videos on the channel. As much as they're needed, I feel like people are like, it's my rest day. I'm not coming here. So we stopped those and then we have one rest day of workouts on a Thursday. That's awesome. That's really interesting that you do it that way too. I don't think that a lot of fitness instructors do it that way, but by you doing it almost like two days in advance, you can be like, okay, I noticed these muscles are sore. And then you can bring that into your workout the next day because you're doing it the same training that they are. Exactly. Yeah. And if I notice like, okay, my, my shoulders are exhausted. I know everyone else is feeling the same way. So I can switch something if I need to, to make sure, you know, we prevent injuries. Everyone stays safe. Training isn't like overtraining a certain body part or anything like that. So it helps me know how they feel and also talk to them. Like I know what they are going through. I know what they're expecting. I know what, you know, everything feels like right now, but it, it does help it feel more intimate. I think. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear more about that one month break you took. What did that look like? We got married at the end of July, July 31st, after we had a pretty long engagement unintentionally with my brother passing away and then COVID. And uh, that was just like a way extended past what we anticipated having. So we finally got to have our wedding and we went to St. Lucia for our honeymoon, which was really relaxing. And we came back and it was hard for me, honestly, to work out on my own, which sounds crazy being a personal trainer, but it was kind of like that moment after college. And I don't know if you experienced this or not, but it was like for probably a month after college, I was like, I don't have to work out. Like no one's making me, I don't have to show up for this. And I almost went through like a, a lazy month. And then I was like, this doesn't even feel good. This doesn't feel like me. So I got back on track. It was hard, honestly, to work out by myself in August of last year, just, i had a program put up for everyone. So there was like a clickable schedule for everyone to use on the YouTube channel. But for myself with not filming, it's almost like that was my accountability partner. The camera was my accountability partner. And so this may sound very weird, but hopefully you don't judge me for this, but there were days where I like put my own workout videos on and did them in my gym, just trying to have someone like talk me through the workout. And that's, you know, that really kind of fulfilled a belief in me that these workouts are serving their purpose. If 
even I feel like on days where I don't want to coach myself or days I don't want to tell myself what to do or create a workout program. It's like the accountability buddy there or your teammate is there for you. So it was hard to just like motivate myself to go to a gym and do whatever. And I just ended up doing some of my workout programs and I, I loved it. It was, I didn't have to like listen to every word that I, that I was saying, because I remember doing that workout and I kind of knew what was coming, but it was nice to just have someone there telling me what to do. And so it was a weird month. I tried to figure it out on my own, but ended up going back to like the way that I train anyways. So a nice refresh for sure. Not having to upload because it had been, like I said, three, over three years, almost three and a half years of every single day was a filming and an upload. So mentally it just felt great, honestly. Yeah. I bet. That's funny though. They put on your own. You're like, Oh, I, I like this girl. She's motivating. <laughs> She's good. No, it's <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, because yeah. I bet after a month, it's like okay, you get the freedom and you're excited. But that's funny that you're almost like itching to get back. You're like, okay, I'll like yeah. start to work out again. Right. It's like when you go on like Christmas or holiday break or whatever in your college season, you're like, I'm not really working as hard as I would if I was with my team. So I'm kind of ready to be back and get get that discipline again almost. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I've loved this whole conversation. Is there any one last piece of advice you'd like to leave everyone with? Any piece of advice I give is always just to try and make this something that you actually enjoy, uh, especially with fitness, but also in life. I think fitness and life are just so cohesive and the way that you think about life is the way that you should think about fitness and just training instead of working out for, um, you know, we all like to work out to look good. There's, if anyone's saying that's not true, that's completely a lie. Everyone likes to feel good and look good, you know, but for someone who is on my side of it, I see so many people almost punishing themselves in fitness and almost taking fitness to a place that they're undoing what they ate, or they're undoing a weekend of drinking, or they're undoing something or, or being mad at themselves for the second half of the bagel. I promise you, the way that you train should emphasize your life, not be a punishment for your life. The life that you want to live is should be rooted in like what makes me happy and then branch it out from there. So what kind of training do you like to do? Train for strength. Stop training to punish yourself. Stop training to undo calories and don't view calories as the enemy. View strength as your biggest ally in fitness. And I promise that will pull over into your life and the way that you approach, you know, new job opportunities or new phases in your life, new chapters. Um, I'm always coming back to strength. Like how do I get stronger physically? And it always transfers over to mentally. So train for strength, not punishment, not undoing food, not only aesthetic, but aesthetic will come as you train for strength as well. So what I've learned most importantly is that often you're so much stronger than you realize. That is great advice to leave us on. Thank you so much. Where can people find you, your workouts, all of that? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for having me. You can find me on YouTube at Sydney Cummings. Our website is royalchange.fit, where all of our brand new fitness apparel is and all social media handles, Sydney Cummings. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.